Welcome to the Loans On Demand podcast, the show where we flip the real estate status quo on its head and put loan officers into the driver's seat. We give you all the tools, strategies, resources, and mindset needed to modernize your mortgage business and thrive. And my name is Luke Shankula, aka Longform Luke, and this is the Loans On Demand podcast. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to the Loans On Demand podcast, the show where we help loan officers flip the status quo on real estate agents and put loan officers in the driver's seat. And today we have a special guest with us. We have Angelo Christian, the CEO of Angelo Christian Financial. He's done all kinds of things, helped tens of thousands of people with coaching, real estate. He's also one of the top loan originators in the nation and just wanted to give you that quick intro. But Angelo, thank you so much for being here, man. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Thank you for being here, man. Yeah, awesome, Luke. Actually, I have watched your show. I'm a big fan. I really appreciate you awesome. for uh, even thinking of me to reach out to me. So that's quite exciting. And I'm very happy to be here today. So thank you so much. Yeah, I mean, basically, I've been in the lending industry for over two decades. You know, we've helped, you know, several hundred thousand people with my team, you know, to secure funding. And obviously, uh, I didn't start here. You know, my background is actually probably you know, quite different than a lot of other people's, you know, I wasn't more on the silver spoon in my mouth, you know, so I grew up in a very rough upbringing. And actually, I'm glad I'm here today. Uh, I feel very honored that you're even interviewing me. Uh, because my story is from what people tell me and what I had to live through was quite different. So I grew up here in Houston, I was raised by a more lower class middle class family. And, um, you know, my father struggled very hard to survive. You know, we never owned a home. And uh, my mother, you know, she was a waitress at Olive Garden. And so we never knew anything about real estate or investments or money. Uh, we were lucky if we could eat that day. You know, we we're living in hotels we lived in our car. Uh, so it was a very rough upbringing. My father was just all over the place. In fact, he ended up abandoning us. When I was in the sixth grade. I had to drop out of school. And work three jobs to take care of the family. I had five brothers and sisters. So, so that was kind of, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. So looking, yeah, yeah. So I dropped out of school. And on top of that, I was morbidly obese. I weighed almost 400 pounds. Ooh. So that was kind of the background, man. And uh, so no big future, no big dreams, just trying to survive. And my favorite movie was Rocky. And so, you know, that movie was kind of like the catalyst to change my life. You know, so yeah, when I was walking home, I was working at Romano's Macaroni Grill as a line cook and No Easy Way Out, the song came on from Rocky Four, and it was like a bolt of lightning to change my life. So I got into shape, lost the weight, got a strict diet, and I put myself back through school, went to college, got my education, finance and economics, University of Houston. And then I started the mortgage industry in 2005. Uh, I worked for AmeriQuest Mortgage Company. At that time, was the you know nation's largest subprime lender uh, sure. in America, and so that's how I basically got started. Well, first of all, before we get to the end of that story, that's a crazy story kind of coming up. I think that's probably though good foundation for you for you know I'm sure there's a lot of struggles and things like that, but it also kind of put a chip on your shoulder of like, hey, you know what, I'm gonna figure this out. And so I love kind of hearing that and the struggles that you went through, not saying yeah. that it was great that you went through the struggles, but I just find that the biggest lessons in my failures and the hardest times, and that's what right. tends to drive you forward and teach you the lessons that you need to learn to kind of get to that next level. And obviously, you know, you, yeah, you don't wish that on anybody. You're you're 100 correct. Now, sadly, I can't tell you that I thought like that when I was going through it. <laughs> well, sure, of course not. You know, it was, it was pretty rough. You know, it's just like when you're, you know, going through some type of intense training. It's hard to program your mind or condition your mind that 
this is good for me. This is good for me when you're, you know, getting beat up with a stick every day. So, but no, it has, you know, it really, you know, like they say, no pressure, no diamonds, you know, what I've learned. And I think that a lot of people that have really succeeded in any area of life, you know, even you, your business, your show, look at people like, you know, David Goggins or anyone that's achieved phenomenal success, Sylvester Stallone, they've all talked about handling immense amount of pressure. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, the more pressure you can take, like Elon Musk says, the more you're going to get out of life, you know? So, and I do believe that sometimes it's very hard going through it. And right. that kind of translates into loan officer and becoming a successful loan officer is, you know, how much pressure can you take? You know, if you want, I can kind of talk about our business today and how we're built and especially right yeah. now. Well, and real quick, before we get into that, I think the one thing to note too, is that like, you know, just the tail end of what you were talking about was that you started in the mortgage industry in 2005. So it probably felt kind of easy at first. And then like, you know, it was like almost the worst time to start. Cause like, it was probably like the first year or two, you're like, man, probably seeing a ton of success. I don't know. But then yeah. you obviously hit 2007, eight, nine. That was, uh, you know, right. probably another sort of like, oops, I just, was, I just went yeah. back down that hill, you know? Yeah. Well, the thing is that, so at that time, yes, that's exactly how it happened. The first few years were phenomenal. Then 2008 hit, you know, I was a young guy. I was in my twenties. So I didn't really understand everything that was happening and how to pivot. Uh, we did pivot and then we had to get into, you know, FHA loans and stuff like that mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. of what happened. But now, you know, being 41, understanding the market a lot better and what type of loan products and the funding that's out there, we really diversify ourselves to where we can weather through like what we're going through right now with rising rate environment. Right. You know? Well, I was going to say, it's probably pretty, not totally similar to 2008, nine, but it's a similar environment where, you know, rates are going up, inventory shortages are an issue, you know, people's buying sentiment is low, selling sentiment's pretty low, you know, and so it's interesting that, you know, you get to learn those lessons from those hard times. Again, I mean, going back to that, right, those hard times probably have allowed you to have the skill set to pivot in times like these. So what did you actually start? I mean, because now you own your own brokerage, correct? Or Uh, own company? Gotcha. When when did that start? In 2005. Okay, gotcha. gotcha. So right after, well, right after, right, well, right after, after AmeriQuest. well, yeah. So the broker started actually, so I left AmeriQuest in August, 2005. And that's when wow. I started my company. And so, oh, gotcha, gotcha. Yep. So, I mean, basically, yeah. I mean, just like you said, I mean, going through the peaks and troughs of the business, it has taught me a lot. And from that, the playbook that we built out today like you said, you know, rising rate environment, you know, residential is kind of slowing down, but what's gotten busier than ever is commercial and private lending. Sure. So that's really where we're seeing huge opportunities, you know, working in the commercial and the institutional, you know, industrial space doing, you know, giant loans. They have a different, you know, mandate with their capital versus, you know, a consumer trying to buy their house. Right. Right. Of course. Yeah. That's cool. I mean, and, you know, and obviously you've done a lot of other things in regards to, you know, you've written a couple of books, I think here, you've been featured in a bunch of different things. You know, it looks like CNN, Good Morning America, Great Day Houston, Houston Chronicle. So all kinds of cool things there and numerous podcasts, including, you know, this great loans on demand podcast here. But it's cool that you've accomplished so much, obviously, with the upbringing that you had. So I know we talked a little bit, you have, you know, two different revenue pillars that you talked about or, you know, how you kind of think about your business, like, so is using commercial one of those pillars? I guess talk a little bit about that. So, yeah, that's exactly how we're structured today and how we've been able to weather through some of the economic cycles is, you know, 
offering private lending, commercial lending. For example, you know, some of the loans that we're working on right now is ground up construction, you know, multifamily. You know, that's gotcha. a huge thing that we are focusing on right now is working with large developers, large investors to do those type of loans, like, you know, RV parks, mobile home parks, you know, assisted living. I'm doing a lot of bridge loans, you know, to help to kind of offset, you know, some of the downturn with residential. Because, you know, sure. the thing is that when you have interest rates that are, you know, approaching, you know, six, seven percent on a conventional loan, it's going to pinch the purchasing power and people right. are going to think twice to get a loan, buy a house, right. you know. Right. I mean, I understand that's the Fed's intent and their design, but, you know, the thing is that a lot of loan officers are hurting right now uh, because, you know, they're too product specific. A lot of branches that I've seen, they just did refinance and now their rates are up. I mean, they have no product offer. They just focused on yep. refinance. So the key takeaway, if anyone's watching this and they're in the industry, I'd say, you know, educate yourself on the different products that are out there to get diversified uh, so you can be successful. Right, right. I think that's the biggest thing. And we've seen a lot right now is, you know, the guys that did really well with refinances over the last couple of years or, you know, even coming to us saying like, man, like we need to build this purchase. It's like, well, I mean, the problem with purchase is it takes time, right? Like, you know, the one thing that I tend to say about refinance, you know, only people is they're almost like crack addicts, right? Like, it's just like, they're just so used to things turning so fast and getting that money so fast that they're not thinking about the long-term, you know, building of the business, right? Building a pipeline, having the future people that are going to buy and continue to grow that, right? And, you know, the people that are purchase-oriented tend to have that mindset. They understand that it takes time. They're building relationships with realtors and things like that. So I also like this idea of, you know, using things like commercial or, you know, are you talking like non-QM, BSCR type loans? Or are we talking straight commercial? Uh, a little bit of that, a little bit. I mean, yeah, what I'm mainly focused on, no, I'm saying like, for example, you know, a 452 unit, you know, roundup construction, multifamily, uh, apartment complex, mixed use development, retail, um, you know, those type of things that are more, you know, dealing with very large, you know, investment groups and helping them to secure funding. How do you find those types of relationships? Are these via referral or kind of how are you finding? Just, just, I've been in the business so long that people reach out to me and I have, you know, close relationships with hedge funds, family gotcha. offices that, you know, fund those type of transactions. And so I've just been in the industry so long and I go to a lot of networking events uh, mm -hmm. and just meet different investors, you know, different people in the industry. So that's really, you know, how I've been able to, scale into this side of the industry and then private lending we do a lot of bridge loans a lot of you know people need short-term bridge loans for financing that's something that we offer and now again residential is not dead but i think you know the other thing is that you know it has slowed down one of the things i think is very important is being able to offer if you are doing residential you should work with somebody that has a ton of different products like construction loans heloc right. loans jumbo loans non-qm no doc loans, land loans, be with somebody that has a ton of different products. You know, like there's doctor loans, there's professional loans, all these different programs. So that way, when you come into a situation like we're in right now, you can still make it because you have all the products. People right now are going to do ground up construction to build their own home because of, you know, low builder inventory and how right. high the prices of real estate are. Right. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And yeah. I think the one thing too is, I mean, just having flexibility. I mean, I think so many people that are like, hey, you know what? Like I'm all conventional. It's like everybody wants to be all conventional, right? Everybody wants to be 20% down a paper, you know, buyers. But, you know, in these sorts of circumstances, I mean, I've seen it many times. We were talking like, well, apparently now the listing agents are going to love FHA buyers. They're going to love VA buyers, you know, whereas the last couple of years, you know, they've kind of gotten the, uh, 
basically the bad end of the stick or whatever. It's just they're not getting looked at the same light as the conventional cash buyers, things like that. So I do think there's opportunity for, and that's one thing that we've actually seen a big increase in, you know, requests actually is people looking to go after those markets or again, non-QM construction. And so when it comes to that stuff, do you work with like local builders as well that are looking for that? Because obviously a lot of times, you know, I've had conversations with some loan officers who are like, well, builders are bad, but I know as long as they're not the national builders, they typically don't have, you know, an in-house lender and things like that, right? Yeah. I mean, so we work with some small builders, but mainly what are you talking about for the primary home, the ground up construction? Yeah, yeah, ground up construction. Yeah, 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 yeah. for right. primary home. So we're dealing with, you know, either we're the person, you know, well, either the broker or the realtor that's selling the land will reach out to us for construction loan for their client because mm-hmm. they want to build on that land that they're selling. So either the consumer reach out to us or, you know, a small builder that we don't work with any very large builder, like obviously dark or anything like that, but right, small right. builders, they're centralized in a local area, let's just say, you know, Ocala, Florida. And they build, you know, 50 homes a year. They'll send us over somebody to get the one-time closed construction loan. We can do that on a jumbo program, uh, especially in today's market. That's really attractive. People want to build their house. But I think the key thing is the bottom line, if you want to be successful, is um, having irresistible products and being diversified. Yeah, I love that. I know you've done, you know, you've written some books. Talk a little bit about that. I mean, you have here 10 Habits of Highly Successful Loan Originators. You know, maybe we can walk through one or two of those and just kind of like, what would you say is kind of the number one or number two, or even the top three things that you would say is the most important thing for loan officers? Yeah. So obviously diversify the product diversification. So I think it's critical. The other thing is branding. I think, you know, building a social media, build a following, you know, you need to be somehow diversified uh, and separate yourself with the brand. So you're not kind of thrown in there with the pit of all the other loan officers or lenders, you can right. have somewhat of a dominance in your space. You know, dominating your space is critical. That's very important. The other thing is, I think that's also really important. And really it's the old cliche, but you know, you got to work like hell. I mean, you know, so you got to work. I mean, and a lot of people, you know, they don't like to work. I work every day. I work weekends. People are want to do deals on the weekend. They want to talk on Saturday. They want to talk on Sunday. They want to talk at night. Uh, and if you're not doing that, then you're going to be missing opportunities to be missing the boat. So I think that's a very important thing. So those are my core things that I talk about in the book of highly effective loan officers. And, you know, if you have that, you're going to attract success. You're going to attract people that want to do business with you. If you sure. have amazing follow-up skills you will get things done. You will build a great team. So those are my tenets for success. I love it. I think there's something to be said about that, especially as we're coming into a market like this is, you know, leads aren't falling out of the sky like they were in 2020 and 21, right? And so having the gumption or the drive to make it happen, regardless of the situation, I think that's the other thing too, is like not focusing on things you can't control, right? You can't control on the market. You can't control the rising rates. So how do you continue to grow as a loan officer, despite all of the external circumstances. I think that comes down to just focusing on yourself and focusing on growth. As far as that goes, I mean, I think the next sort of way I'd want to talk about this is like from a leadership perspective, I mean, you have a team, you've done that. Like, how do you grow into that team leader versus just being an individual LO? What does that take? Um, That was actually very difficult. I had a hard time doing that because I was so used to being a one-man show and, you know, obviously I started myself and not sure. learning about leadership 
And so the transition for me, it, it was very difficult because I didn't know about managing and leading people. And so I had a very high turnover when I tried to migrate out of just being a loan officer and then building sure. a team around me because I didn't know how to communicate well and treat people. Um, so I studied a lot, man. I've read so many books on leadership uh, and management, you know, books on Jeff Bezos, how Google built their business, you know, mm-hmm. Elon Musk. And from that, uh, reading a lot of business management books helped me to kind of, you know, modulate and uh, reform my leadership skills. Uh, and really the biggest thing is that, you know, you have to uh, give people hope and paint a picture for their future and give them a vision and right. lead them through that, help people accomplish their goals. And you have to be sincere about it and real. So, yeah, I mean, that's really, you know, the big thing is I think if you're going to lead people is you have to help people to go to the next level, you know, in their life. So like, you know, just like this iPhone, there's 13 versions of this iPhone. You have to help right. people go to the next level in their life, whether it's financial, spiritual, economically. So I try to do that the best that I can. And also the social connection, I think, is very important with your team. It's not mm-hmm. just about the job. It's about developing relationships. I love it. I think that's huge, man. And something that I've been obsessing over recently, just as I'm building the team and understand, you know, same thing, right? Like dealing with turnover, dealing with, you know, not always like the top production and understanding that like, you know, it's one of my mentors actually said, he's like, my role as a CEO is to develop my people. <laughs> right. And so I was like, oh, that like totally shifted the way I thought about like, you know, being, it's like, I've always thought like, oh, vision and this and that, but it's like really one of the biggest keys of being the leader is like, you develop your people, you help them level up. If you want the organization to level up, you have to level up as a leader, which means that's going to pull them along with you. So I love that. Like, I agree with you, man. Leadership and growing the team is one of the hardest things for, I think people that are used to doing things themselves have a hard time delegating to other people and being clear about what success looks like. I think that's one of the hardest things, especially for people that are like loan officer salespeople. You know, the personality tends to be very much high vision, high sort of like, hey, you know, get this done, but like not as good at the structure piece. But most people, most employees need structure. They need, you know, processes, procedures and things like that. And so people forget that it takes some time to build that. So I love the fact that you've you know, um, built it and taken it all the way to, you know, really successful business, right? Like, let's just say you were about to start over again today. What would you go out there and do to get more business today? Well, yeah, I mean, so the biggest thing that I wish I would have started earlier, and obviously when I started, it wasn't social media, but today I would definitely focus hardcore on obviously, you know, starting your social media channel page, but, you know, you have to, even before you do that, you have to have interesting content. These things have to be interesting that you talk about. And so the first thing is, you know, I would say if you're starting today, is really be a student of the industry and understand what the products are, who the players are, the investors. Go to as many you know networking events in the lending space as you can. You know, invest the money in doing that, meeting the people, getting the knowledge, uh, developing the relationships, and also yes, work on your branding, your social media, so you can drive traffic. I think is very mm-hmm. important. Yeah, I mean, if you have that, then you're going to create awareness. Because you have to get recognized, and then from there, you know, obviously building the team because you need to be able to facilitate uh, the flow of the business. You know, it's a multi-pronged business model, and so that's what I would be doing differently. Is I would have focused more in the beginning on being more diversified with the product knowledge or do, doing more. Sure. I was very introverted when I first started, 
Uh, I didn't go to networking events. I didn't go to meetups. I was the guy just sitting at my desk working and doing more of those to meet people and developing those deep relationships with check writers, investors. And then, yeah, I mean, just, you know, creating a very strong brand presence so people can identify you as the lending source, right? Sure. Uh, and I think, or whatever your space is, like you have some guys, all they do is VA loans. So I'm the, the veteran lender and they do very well with that. They focus just right. on VA and VA is a massive product. They've blown up their business. And so focusing right. on that branding, I think is critical. Yeah, no, I love that. So just a quick sort of expander on that. When you talk about going to networking events, I agree though, when it comes to like product knowledge, spend the first year just understanding products, like be a good loan officer. Like you have to be a good loan officer first before you can do the marketing, before you can buy leads, before you can do other things like that. Like, because if you don't understand how to have conversations about the products, it's gonna be really hard for you to do anything else. But just to kind of talk about the networking, when you talk about networking, are you talking about BNIs or what sort of networking events are you going to? When you're building relationships, how do you build deep relationships? Like, how do you do that? Well, yeah, I mean, so yeah, like, you know, like for example, I'm sure in your area, you know, you have, you know, real estate networking events. Like we have a big multifamily networking event here in Houston mm-hmm. and it happens twice a year. And everybody's there from agency lenders like Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, um, to, you know, developers, builders, investors, and, you know, kind of parachuting your way into it and meeting the people there. Right. So I look for those type of events. Like I'm going to an event end of July in Miami and it's a private lending event, you know, so doing those type of things and you just, that's how you forge relationships. You know, we've met some of the biggest capital providers, note buyers, you know, investors at those networking events. And, uh, you know, it's just a great, time because you're in an environment with people that are in your industry and it just goes really, really well. Love it. Yeah. And the one sort of, I guess, again, clarifying question is like, when you have these conversations, assuming you're doing follow-up and things like that, because obviously you can have a good conversation, but then like what happens once you leave that room, right? Do you just keep going to those networking events and meeting those same people? Or is there like a follow-up process that you follow to sort of continue to- Well, I mean, yeah, like if it's, yeah, I mean, if it's like, let's say it's an investor I want to do business with and I want to you know, do loans with them. Yeah. Well, obviously exchange contact information and I'll follow up with them and add them to my database and then start, you know, soliciting them or working with them to see if there's any gotcha. opportunity. Yeah. Like you have to, gotcha. you know, take action on it. Um, no, you don't have to go to the same event every time, but you're always getting something good out of it by going. There's always right. there's new vendors there, uh, new people that go there. And so you'll know if you're not getting value, but the ones that I go to, I'm always getting some good takeaways. Yeah. 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 And I think the key there is, you know, making sure, hey, you know, if you do have a conversation with someone, exchange information and then making sure that you're actually following right. up with them if you want to do business with them. Because I think that's the one thing that so many people do is they go to these networking events, they have a good conversation with someone and that's where it ends, right? And so like, you know, you can't really build deep relationships with people off of one conversation. So it's- right. uh, No, 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 not at all. Not at all, I agree. Yeah, and I figured there was more to it. I just wanted to dig in a little bit to get clarity for anybody who's brand new, right? Like you're just thinking like, you still got to put in the work. I mean, these people probably have a bunch of people doing that. They only talk about a hundred people a night or whatever when they go to these events. So again, how do you stand out and how do you continue to keep that conversation going? Hey, remember we talked about this X, Y, Z. I mean, I don't even know. Are you taking notes on these people afterwards or do you just kind of remember? Uh, Usually it depends. Yeah, I mean, well, some of them, they're vendors and they have, you know, business cards, they have, you know, gotcha. uh, pamphlets, uh, websites. If it's an individual person, we might exchange, you know, cell phone numbers. It just depends on who it is. Yeah. Cool. 
Awesome. Text threads or WhatsApp threads, you know, so. I think you do some coaching and things like that as well. Is that something you're currently doing at the moment? We do, we do, we do. We have a, so we have a real estate university. Uh, You should have a link to that. It's on our website. So basically it's my platform that I built. It's not an MLS accredited school, but it's just how to become a top producer. And basically the things I talked about in our video today, it's in a digital audio library of over a thousand hours of content. Wow. Uh, learning how to become a top producer. So it's not going to teach you mortgage law. It's going to teach you how to sell, how to close, how to get deals in, sure. how to brand, stuff like that. Love it, man. And so if someone wanted to reach out, learn a little bit more about that, where can they find that? I mean, absolutely. You can call or text us at 832-431-6331. Go to the website, officialangelochristian.com. You can see us on our social media uh, Angelo Christian, YouTube, uh, Instagram, Official Angelo Christian. Just hit us up. We're here. Awesome. Thank you so much. You know, we'll make sure to put all that information in the show notes, just so that anybody who's listening can not have to remember all that said out loud. You'll be able to just click on the links below. And I think the biggest takeaway for me as we're kind of closing out here is that you talk about diversity, right? Having the diversification of knowledge and products to be able to weather the storms like this, whether it be commercial, non-QM, something that's a little bit different to the standard. I mean, if you've been doing only conventional, maybe you do need to branch into FHA and VA, right? And just kind of having options for people. Because I think the thing with loan officers is you're really just a solution provider, right? I mean, at the end of the day, like you're kind of a commodity if you don't know how to find solutions for people's problems. 100%. Yeah. And thank you so much, man. Yeah, this is awesome. I love your idea of the show that you created. I think it's phenomenal. Uh, It'll really help thousands of people. So I really appreciate it. Very grateful for you letting me come on the show today. Yeah, man. Thank you so much for being here. And thank you for everybody for listening and have a great day. Yeah, thank you. Bye, guys. Take care. Thank you for tuning into the Loans On Demand podcast on loansondemandpodcast.com. This is an I Love Mortgage Brokering production.